Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, we've been in a series over the last uh, four or five weeks that we're going to continue today. I just came to tell you that um, I am convinced this morning that we have way too many normal Christians that come to our church. Uh, now, now, please don't misunderstand. I, I believe that we all have ordinary, normal days. Anybody ever had a blah day? Just a, one of those eh, kind of days? I, I have those. We all have those. I'm not saying that I expect you to glow in the dark all the time and that I expect you to walk on water all the time. But I am convinced of this is that too many of us have way too many normal days. Because Jesus made it very clear that part of our, of our heritage and our inheritance is that on a regular basis our normal life would be interrupted by supernatural life. Y'all are awful quiet this morning. Y'all going to have to get with me or we're going to be here a while. Come on, help me out now. We shouldn't be going. Listen, you can have some ordinary days. We all do. But there ought to be moments in our life where our life is interrupted by signs and that signs follow us and that our life is interrupted by moments where the supernatural overtakes the natural and we see the hand of God at work in our life. That ought to be happening on a regular basis. And so we've been talking about signs and, and I challenged you that uh, there, there are some things that we should see happen. Number one, we should see uh, in our life we should be doing greater things than Jesus did. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. So we ought to be able to bank on that and take him at his word and begin to do and operate in greater measures of faith than he was able to operate in. We should. Uh, another thing is that we talked about this last week is we cannot so focus on our gift in here that we don't focus on using our gift out there. It's not enough for you just to come to church and utilize your gift here. You've got to use your gift out there. I told you last week that we're not playing freeze tag. God doesn't touch us and then allow us to set down the rest of our lives and never touch anybody else. If you've been touched, it is for the sole purpose so that you can now turn and touch somebody else. That's what it's all about. And I told you that, that we've got to come back to this place where we believe that God can do what he says he can do. Is there anybody in here that believes God wants to touch us? Anybody? I'm convinced that is our message. That is the good news that God wants to and desires to impact people's lives. And so we're going to move on today and we're going to take another step on our ride along uh, with Jesus on his sign trip, if you will, and see another instance in his life where signs interrupted his daily walk. I will tell you this morning that the account that we're going to read is one of Jesus' most famous signs, one of his most known miracles. If you've been in church more than a couple of months, you've probably heard somebody talk about this sign, this miracle. And so I understand that. But what I want you to do today is I want you to listen uh, as if it's the first time you've ever heard it, because I believe that Jesus wants to say something different to us, a little, a little twist on it, if you will. So if you will, join me in Mark chapter 10. We're going to join Jesus as he walks into Jericho, and I'm going to try to be brief and as I said in the first service, that would be a sign in and of itself. But I'm going to do my best. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. It says this, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. That's We could go no further, and that is a powerful lesson right there. And we'll come back to it. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Three things quickly. I am convinced that if we are going to see signs following us, if we genuinely want to see God interrupt our lives with the supernatural, then three things have to happen. Number one, we have got to come back to this place where we recognize that we need noisy needs. See, I read to you out of this account where the Bible says that Jesus is walking through the city with a large crowd. He was walking with church folks, if you will. And all of a sudden, this beggar begins to cry out at the top of his voice, Have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And recognize, if you will, that the church folks, those that are supposed to specialize in compassion and care and love and concern, they try to quiet him down. And I think what it teaches us is that as believers, if we're not careful, we become more apt to rebuke a need rather than deal with a need. That was good. Good job. I like that. Come on, talk to me this morning. That's what we do. We have become so accustomed to hearing people's needs and we become so hardened and callous to people's needs that when we begin to hear needs, we actually rebuke people for having needs rather than taking the time to get our hands dirty and actually deal with those needs. I just need to make you aware this morning that at some moment in your walk with the Lord, some moment in your experience, some moment in your encounter with God, there are going to be people that come into contact with you that are going to do their very best to try to quiet you down about your need. We become way too quiet about our needs. we got to come back to this place where we have noisy needs. See, I think we let shame quiet us down. I think we let fear quiet us down. I think we let disbelief quiet us down. I think we let what other people think, what we think they may think about us if they knew we had the need that we have. I think we allow that to quiet us down. We don't want to stick out anymore. I'm telling you that we are suffering in silence and our silence is producing sickness. We don't get healed. We don't get set free. We don't get delivered. We don't see miracles because we are so quiet that nobody even knows we need a miracle. I wonder if we see no signs in our churches because we've hidden all of our needs. See, I I know that's happening because in churches across America right now on Sunday morning, we can ask people to raise their hand if you have a need, and nobody will raise their hands as if we've all got it together. We can actually do an altar call and nobody will respond. That's why churches all over America aren't even doing altar calls anymore because they get tired of asking week after week after week and nobody will come down because we don't want to stick out. We just want to blend in. And as we blend in, we stay sick. We stay broken. We stay in bondage. How are we supposed to know that you need a touch and that you have a need 
if you never tell anybody. Oh, come on now. You got to be careful who you tell because some people want to rebuke you and some people will want to ignore you and some people will want to quiet you down. But when you find a body, when you find a congregation, when you find a group of believers that genuinely believe that God can do what he says he can do, why would we want to be quiet then? There are groups of people right now on Facebook slamming the church saying the church doesn't care. The church has no compassion. They don't really love anybody. They don't really love God. They're not really God's people because they've been hurt and their need has been unmet but they never once let anybody know that they actually had a need. How can you hold us responsible for ministering to your need if we don't ever know you have a need? We become way too quiet. We just want people to think we've all got it together and that we all float and walk on water and glow and have goosebumps all the time. What we got to do is get back to this place where I'm the one that goes, you know what, I'm bold enough to declare that I messed up this week. I had a tough week. My finances aren't flowing like I wish they would. Come on, y'all. Y'all looking at me like deer stuck in headlights. This is a reality. We're being transparent. There are moments where we've got to tear down all of our walls and quit playing games with one another and, and, and express the fact that we actually have needs. Noisy needs. Silence is killing us. This passage of Scripture makes a statement that I want to pull out to you that I think is extremely important. The Bible says that this man shouted, and when he shouted out of a spirit of desperation, the Bible says that Jesus stopped. When is the last time that your cry was so filled with pain and your cry was so filled with uh, desperation and anguish that at that moment you stood him still and he took notice of your need. We come to church week after week and we play games and we smile and when we're asked how we're doing we say we're blessed and we won't let anybody know we have a need and Jesus never stops. And so what I am challenging you to do is become honest and transparent enough to cry out from the depths of your spirit and heart and actually expose the fact that you have a need. In fact, I'm asking you to come back next Sunday, not only with needs that you've gathered out there on our prayer request cards, I want you to come next week and experience their pain and encounter their pain and cry out on behalf of their pain. But I also want you to bring your needs. I want you to come back next week so transparent and honest that you'll walk in and say, hey, I'm the one that needs a miracle. I'm the one that has a need. I'm the one that needs a breakthrough. I'm the one that needs peace. I'm the one that needs joy. I'm the one that needs healing. Be transparent enough to allow that to take place. We're not healed because we don't have noisy needs. Second thing I noticed is this. It's not a new truth, but I want you to recognize it again. I think the next step in our journey towards having signs follow us and signs invade our life is this. We've got to throw the cloak. What does that mean? Well, there's a powerful truth hidden in this story that a lot of people don't recognize and that goes unnoticed that can minister to you if you will allow it to, and I think it's relevant to where we are. The Bible says that Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus, and when Jesus stops and says, bring him to me, when Jesus makes that statement, the Bible declares that Bartimaeus stood up, took his cloak, and threw it off of him. Big deal. you got to understand what's going on here. How many of you have ever met a professional beggar? Those guys that hold the sign and say, well, we'll work for food. You try to take them to eat, get something to eat, and they won't go. 
because they don't want food. They want your money. You recognize that there are scam artists in the, in the world today, right? I mean, I've got, this, I've got individuals emailing me every day wanting to give me a $10 million inheritance. You know what I'm talking about. There are scam artists around. There are people, there are charlatans that will put on scams and take your money. They're not legit. You know, some of those guys holding signs make more money than you do at your 9 to 5 job because they scam us, right? The same thing was true in Jesus' day. There were individuals that were scam artists that weren't legitimate. And so what the religious leaders would do is when they came across individuals that were actually sick, actually blind, actually unable to take care of themselves, they would issue them a special cloak as an identifying marker. This, If they have this particular cloak on, this particular garment on, then you can give to them knowing that you're giving to a good cause, that you're not being stolen from, you're not being scammed. They are legitimately in need. You can give to them. And the Bible says that when Jesus stopped, Bartimaeus took that identifying cloak and he cast it off. Jesus makes this statement to Bartimaeus. He says, when, G- when, when he asks him what he wants to do, and he says, I want you to heal my eyes, G- the- Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. What faith? How has he exhibited any faith at all? Because in that one moment when he took that robe and he cast it off, he was literally saying, I am making preparation for my healing before I get healed. He was literally saying, I don't need that anymore. That's what used to identify me. That's who I used to be. That sickness used to wrap my life up, but I no longer need this. I won't be consumed by this. I won't go back to this. This is not who I am because I am about to come into contact with the Son of the living God, and He's going to heal me, and I won't need that anymore. And So what I am saying to you this morning is this. If you want breakthrough in your life, and you want healing in your life, and you want to see signs in your life, you've got to come to this place where you take the cloak and throw it off. What are you saying? I am saying that for most of us, there are issues in our life that we're comfortable with that if we would make preparation for our healing, we would be healed. For instance, see, I think what we do is we go pick up the cloak. We come to service, like next Sunday when we come to miracle service, we'll have an encounter with God. Maybe this morning you're having an encounter with God, and then we walk right back out and do what we were doing before we got healed, and we lose our healing. For instance, you've been to the altar before or raised your hand before and been set free from pornography. If you go home to an unmonitored computer, you've picked your cloak back up. Well, Jesus, I need you to touch my finances and set my finances in order. And then you come to church and you pray, God, touch my finances. And you encounter God and he touches you financially. And you go back outside and you apply for more credit cards. That's your cloak. You just picked it right back up. I need you to touch my body. My body's all falling apart. I'm sick. I'm sick as a dog. Can you touch me? Jesus touches us. But then we'll go right back out and do things that we know destroy our body and then wonder why we lose our healing preaching real good, y'all, real quiet on a Sunday morning, I think maybe it's hitting home that some of you have got cloaks in your life that if you're ever going to keep what God is going to do for you or has done for you, you have to get rid of some things. Heal my marriage. My relationship is falling apart. And you'll walk right out of church, go right back to your selfish way of living and slack way of living and not take care of your spouse and then wonder why you lost what you had. Listen, 
hear me. You cannot abandon the principles of God and expect to maintain the blessings of God. That was good. I'll amen myself. I didn't even come up with it. I stole it from somebody else. You cannot maintain the blessings of God if you abandon the principles of God. And so many of us come to church week after week after week after week, and we encounter God, and we go right back outside, and we pick up that cloak, and we put it back on. What I am asking you to do and stirring you up to do is to actually sell out completely to the concept of living whole, to the concept of living free, to the concept of living delivered. Do what you got to do. Cut off what you got to cut off. Break up with what you got to break up with. Change what you got to change. So at the moment that Jesus touches you, you are prepared to actually walk out your healing. And the third thing. If we want to see signs, we've got to answer the question correctly. Jesus comes into that city, is walking down a path, minding his own business. Bartimaeus cries out, have mercy on me. Jesus comes to a screeching halt. He says, bring the blind man to him. They stand Bartimaeus before him, and Jesus asks him this question. What do you want me to do? for you. Talk about magic genie rub the bottle three times. This is an open-ended question. There are no stipulations, no limits, no qualifiers put on this question. He gives him carte blanche. You can have anything you want. What do you want me to do? You know what we would have done? We would have said stuff like, I need a new chariot with 26-inch rims, spinners, if you will. I I need a new house. Could you give me a new house? Could you give me all the trappings of life? Could you, could you give me a financial blessing? Could you give me a new robe? I could use a new robe. I just, you saw what I did. I just threw this robe off. Could you give me a brand new robe? And it needs to be a designer robe with the light, right label in it. There was no limitations. He could have asked for anything. But he answered the question correctly. He recognized that he had a base need in his life. And what he said was this, Jesus, if you'll touch me and let me see, then all that other stuff will take care of itself. I wonder how many times we come to church and we have an encounter with God and God says, what can I do for you? And we answer the question incorrectly. We are so wrapped up in things that don't actually matter that we can't even answer the question right. This man had an encounter with God. He answered the question correctly. And at that moment, Jesus responds. Now, here's the twist. Here's the new part. I'd never noticed this before. I've never heard anybody talk about this before. Earlier in this chapter, in fact, you have to back up. I've never connected these. I'm connecting them this morning. In, in verses 35 through 36, we're going to put them on the screen for you so you can see it for yourself. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us for whatever, for whatever we ask. Right? Now look at verse 36. Here's Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Y'all ever heard that question before? Yeah. I heard it a few verses later. Right? Do you remember what 
James and John's response was? They said to Jesus, we want thrones on your right hand. When you come into your kingdom, could you elevate us to a place of prestige and and prominence and give us thrones at your right hand? We want to be seen. We want to be famous. We want people to know who we are. And nowhere does Jesus respond by saying to them, great faith. I'm astounded by your faith. No, in fact, Jesus doesn't respond to them at all except perhaps with a spirit of aggravation and says to them, you don't even know what you're asking for. The same exact question, no limits, no boundaries, no qualifiers, and they ask for something and Jesus denies their request. And yet he comes to this blind man and says, what can I do for you? And the blind man says, I want to see. And Jesus' response was, I'm so moved by your faith that you are now instantly made well. I wonder how many times on Sunday after Sunday that some of you come in here and ask for things that don't actually matter and God ignores your request because it's not what you really need. Oh, I'm preaching now. It's going to get tight in here. Because this is what we'll do. We'll come in here and we we sense God moving, God working And we begin to make requests and we say things like this, God, please heal me. I need a touch in my physical body. Could you heal me? And God does not respond. In fact, you get aggravated. Some some of you in your own minds are even dreading next week because you're going, I've prayed for this one miracle for many years and I've never seen it happen. Maybe you're not asking for the right thing because we'll say, can you heal me? Please heal me. And what you really need is discipline. I knew you wouldn't like that, but that's just the reality. We ask Jesus to heal us, and yet we won't put forth any discipline, and we won't beat our bodies into subjection, and we won't do what we need to do to be healthy. We ask for the wrong things. Jesus, I need you to touch my finances. I'm broke, man. you got to help me. I need you to know what you really need is some knowledge about how to steward the money he's already given you giving you any more money because you can't handle the money you got. Could you help my, I, listen, God, what I really need is I desperately need a new spouse. Desperately. That's not answering the question correctly. Because your baseline need is what you really need to do is you need to deal with the person that you see looking back at you in the mirror every day. There ain't nothing wrong with your spouse. The only thing wrong with your spouse is you. Because the grass is not greener on the other side. I got news for you. The only reason that there's any greener grass over there is because it's on top of a septic tank. Because you will drag the baggage in your present relationship into a new relationship. Your spouse is not broke. You're broke. And if you would ask for the right thing, your marriage would be fixed. I'm preaching good right now. Ain't nobody got nothing to say to me because y'all know I'm telling you the truth. I need a new car. God, could you give me a new car? Please, my car, you know, it's just not in style anymore. Uh, everybody else is rolling in all this nice stuff. I don't, man, look at my car. And what you really need is the ability to understand that what you need is stewardship to actually pay off the car that you have. We don't ask for the right things. Am I, ta- am I okay, I just want to make sure it's just not me because I've done this. 
what I'm calling you back to doing is this. Quit asking God for Band-Aids. Allow Him to bring into your life a cure. All this other stuff that does not matter is nothing more than a Band-Aid that temporarily makes you feel better than what you feel right now. If you would actually get honest enough to get down to your base level need, what is it in my life that I need God to fix completely and totally and all this other stuff would take care of it? What is it that you need? If you would answer correctly, I promise you, you can bank on it, that Jesus will respond. Because every time somebody came to Jesus and revealed themselves to him, he responds, Jesus, could you just give me a bigger platform? I mean, come on. I'm speaking to eight people. Come on. Jesus, I'm singing to eight. I'm playing ball in front of 20 guys. Come come on. Jesus, give me a bigger. Come on. I need a bigger platform. No, what you re- the baseline need is you just need the character to handle the platform you're on. You need the humility to deal with the platform you're on. You need the discipline. to. I am preaching right now. Y'all listen to me. Quit asking for stuff that won't resolve your issue. Same question. Jesus ignores his own disciples and instead touches a blind man. And the only difference is the answer. Prestige, fame, things that don't matter, or touch my eyes, because if you'll touch my eyes, everything else will be okay. What could he touch in you this morning that would make everything else okay? My question is, is if Jesus was standing here right now and said to you, what do you want me to do for you? No qualifiers, no limits, no obstacles or barriers. What would your answer be? And if it's not the base need of your life, I would venture to say that your need will go unmet. It's quiet in here, but that's how I see it. So what am I asking you to do? In order for us to genuinely have a miracle service next Sunday, it is going to require you to go home and meet you. You are going to have to spend some time in private prayer and meditation and seeking God's face this week and find out what is the base need of your life. Because if you come in here next week saying, give me cars and give me houses and give me fame and give me this and give me that and I need this and this and that, if it's not the base need of your life, I can promise you, you will walk out of here next Sunday with no miracle. But if I could find some transparent, honest folks that would have some noisy needs and walk in here prepared to receive, then Jesus will send us on our way healed, whole, and set free. I want you to stand with me this morning.
What is your need? What is your base need? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. We're going to do two things and I'm going to let you go. Number one, we never like to end a service without an opportunity for those of you that may not know Christ as your personal Savior because the reality is this. That is the base need for all of us. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then no number of houses, fame, cars, or anything else is ever going to satisfy the longing of your soul. He is the base need. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never asked Him into your heart, you would like to give Him your life this morning, He's here and He will respond every time. If that's you, would you just quickly raise your hand and pull it back down? We promise we won't embarrass you. We just want to pray for you intelligently. Is there one that needs to accept Jesus as Savior this morning? Again, no one looking around, not even my leaders now. No leaders looking around. This is just between you, me, and God. This is a private moment. Your level of touch is determined by your level of transparency. I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand so that you'll feel comfortable enough to be transparent with me. If you're here and you'd say, Steve, I have a base need. There is a need in my life that affects the rest of my life, the whole of my life. It, it's the, if I pull it all down, it's the thing that I need God to do more than anything else. I have a base issue, a base need that I long for Him to touch. And I just, I'm committing with you in prayer that that's what I'm going to bring to God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand quickly? Yes, all over the place. Base needs. Father, you see all these hands. Brave people that said there's a base issue that we're fighting and facing. All the stuff we could ask you for really doesn't matter. What we're saying, God, is we're being transparent with you that if you would just touch that one need, everything else would be okay. Father, I pray for every hand that went up. I pray for the need of their life. You know what that need is. I pray that you would hear that hand raised as if it was a shout and it would stop you in your tracks and you would minister to them right now. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name right now that you would touch them, that in Jesus' name right now that healing would come, that breakthrough would come, that a miracle would take place, provision would come. Father, that faith would be stirred and we would recognize that you're touching us at the base issue of our life. Father, help us to prepare for healing. God, I pray for every person that raised their hand that they would begin to take stock of their own life and their own condition and they would remove the cloak. Anything that they run back to and lose their healing, lose their breakthrough. I pray that what they would do even now is they would begin to throw that thing aside so that they could walk into freedom and stay free and stay whole, and stay healed. We're asking you for miracles. We're asking you for signs in Jesus' name. Would you do this with me before we leave this morning? Would you just turn and uh, touch someone right now as a point of belief? Let's just lay our hands on one another. If there's no one around you, move out and find someone. Let's just believe together.
Father, we ask you even now as we lay hands on one another, our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. I pray for my brother and my sister that they would be keenly aware of your presence at this moment. That it would be as if heaven stopped and tuned in to their cry. And I pray that as they feel my hand on them right now, on their shoulder, on their back, on their arm, that it would be as if Jesus has just reached out and touched them. And I pray that miracles would happen. I pray that right now freedom would come. I pray that provision would be made. I pray that healing would take place. I pray that every sick body would be made whole. I pray that every broken heart would be mended right now. I pray that every lack would be met. I pray that provision would come into their life, whether that be financial, emotion, emotional, or relational. God, that provision would be made. Minister to us at the place of our need. Touch us, God. Touch us, Father. Father, I pray over my folks today that as they leave this place, that they would be sensitized to the needs around them, the noisy needs that others ignore and rebuke. I pray that we would become aware of. I pray that we would reach out and that we would stop as a representative of you we would stop and meet the needs of people at their base moment. Help us to be people of compassion that are more willing to help with a need than we are to rebuke a need. I pray that you would do that for us this week. And I pray that over the course of this week we would become very real with ourselves and that we would come back together next week with a cry of desperation and a cry of anguish and a cry of pain not just for our needs but for the needs that we have gathered we will we will feel those needs deep in our spirit and we'll see your hand move and lives changed for your kingdom's sake and for your glory's sake in Jesus name if you need special prayer this morning our prayer partners are stationed out there in the left, as you go out on your left in the west lobby. If you just stop there, they'll lay hands on you. As you leave today, our ushers are going to hand you prayer request cards. Please gather those and bring those back at 10 a.m. next week. And we're going to gather those and pray for one another on prayer requests. So God bless you. Thank you for being at Passion today. Grab those prayer requests. Hey, be friendly. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.